This podcast is sponsored by Oz. Oz is a premium disposable vape product made with the highest pharmaceutical grade quality ingredients and comes in 12 delicious flavors like velvet tobacco, sweet apple, strawberry banana, grape ice, lemon tart, mango, and so many more. Right now, Oz is offering all of my listeners 50% off their orders. So head on over to letsoz.com and use my promo code HARMONY for 50% off your order. With O's, you'll look forward to your moment of zen. This episode is sponsored by Doom and Groom. Doom and Groom are a craft hair, skin, beard, and tattoo care company based in Denver, Colorado. Their oils, balms, butters, and pomades are great for use from head to toe, keeping your hair and skin healthy and hydrated. All of their products are unisex, dye-free, chemical-free, plastic-free, and organic. Head on over to doomandgroom.net and use my code HARMONYDOOM for 10% off your purchase. Once again, that is doomandgroom.net, promo code HARMONYDOOM. gotta be something incredibly comforting in being a skeptic to the paranormal. As a skeptic, there's an idea that no matter how strange something is, there's a real and completely rational explanation for what happened. Due to this, a skeptic never fears a ghost or a demon or anything in between. To them, that bump in the night, the scratch, maybe the low growl heard in the darkness, is simply a pipe, a floorboard, rats are in the walls. But there are many reasons why our beliefs in the paranormal continue to consume the human psyche. For many of us, it's a comfort. It's knowing that there could be an afterlife, a place where you can reunite with those you love, a place where you can leave and visit the physical world where those you still love remain. Other people, however, believe that there may be something else at play around the laws of human nature. Because every once in a while, an event will occur that just doesn't make any sense. Events completely shrouded in strange and bizarre circumstances. My name's Harmony, and welcome to this week's first episode. Today, I have some strange and unusual mysteries that I've scoured the internet for. Now these are not like your usual mysteries I tell you about. These are surely to creep you out. Some of them may even leave you questioning what you know about reality. Welcome to What the Actual F. You best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. We have all heard stories of urban legends and dark tales from the past. Stories that people whisper in secret because the powers at play supposedly do not want these secrets out. Whether we believe urban legends or not, there is one thing to say. Just about every urban legend has a grain of truth. Does this one? This is the chilling story of the SS Verang Madan. This seemingly impossible event 
is said to have taken place in the 1940s. Now, the exact year varies depending on the source. According to the story, the SS Serangmadan was a Dutch vessel that was passing through the Strait of Malacca when it ran into a mysterious tragedy. Nearby ships even reported receiving a horrifying distress call. All officers, including captain, dead, lying in chart room and on bridge, probably whole crew dead. This is what the message stated. Then there was an unintelligible frenzy of Morris code. Suddenly, the radio operator had one final thing to say, I die. It's said that when rescuers finally boarded the vessel, they found the stricken ship just as described. The crew was in fact dead. Their bodies littered the decks. But not just that. Perhaps the creepiest part in this is how they were found. Quote, teeth bared with their upturned faces to the sun, staring as if in fear. Even the ship's dog was dead. It said the dog was stuck mid-growl in an almost ghastly stare, ready to assault its assailant. Do I have your attention yet? This is just the beginning of the mystery of Thurang Medan. Reports go on to suggest that shortly after the ship was boarded, a fire suddenly broke out in its bowels, forcing all of those who arrived this grisly scene to evacuate. The ship is said to have exploded with such force that it blew up and almost out of the ocean before quickly sinking without a trace. Now you're probably wondering, what happened to the crew of the Orang Medan? What caused this mass demise? But not just that, what caused the explosion when rescuers came aboard? Well, before we continue, I need to tell you one thing, officially, this ship may never have existed. This famous story leads to many dead ends when you go to search for the Orang Medan, behind all the tales and rumors about the ghost ship, of course. You see, most notably, there's no mention of the Orang Medan registration in Lloyd's shipping registers, nor is there any official recording that this bizarre ship was ever discovered. The reason the precise date of the event has been so difficult to pinpoint is that newspaper reports tell various versions of the story across a different period of time. That's right, this ghost ship has made it into mainstream media, almost making it believable. It doesn't matter if there's a record or not, right? You gotta trust the news, don't you? Every report about the Orang Medan would embellish details along the way. Nevertheless, believers of the Orang Medan say that this is 100% factual, absolutely true. There is even a reason that the ship's registry wasn't found, according to believers. They say it was actually registered in Sumatra. The vessel's name translates to Man from Maiden. Maiden being a Sumatran island. Also, Professor Theodor Sasdorfer, a German researcher who has been poring over this fascinating case for around half a century, discovered an old German publication from about 1953, entitled Das Toschaffen der Sudse, or The Death Ship in the South Seas. 
This little booklet of sorts, courtesy of deceased scholar Otto Malki, is believed by some to offer evidence that the ship was in fact very real, which would mean its tragic fate was as well. Even offering an intriguing possibility as to the cause of the explosion that sent this ship to the depths of the ocean. Das Totenschefen de Sutzi suggests that potassium cyanide and nitroglycerin were stored in the ship's hold. If so, this could certainly explain the vessel's sudden and accidental destruction, as well as any record connected to the ship and its incident. You see, there was a very tense international climate due to the very close and realness of World War II. The materials that were aboard this ship. The transport of these materials could spark quite an incident, especially if they were used carelessly. Perhaps the details of the SS Meringue Medan are so difficult to find because somebody wants them to be. I know many skeptics out there are probably thinking, oh, that's a good spooky story, but that's all it is, Harmony, a story. What if it's not? Believe it or not, there are some heinous stories about ghost ships that are very real in the world today. The Mary Celeste, the Queen Mary as well. Take a quick Google search to see for yourself. The ocean is a very vast place. So vast, we have yet to explore very much of it ourselves. So, for a moment, let's pause and think, maybe there's a grain of truth. And if so, what happened to the unfortunate crew of the Orang Medan? There's various possibilities. In fact, many have been discussed and tossed about the internet. Possibly a pirate attack that certainly wouldn't be out of question, as during this time in the 1940s, pirates were still very relevant. Shocking, right? And if not pirates, what else could cause this mass death, especially in such a terrifying manner? You see, many accounts claim that the bodies weren't even wounded, which has had many people doubting that pirates could be the culprit. Maybe it was dangerous gases, an extremely volatile and controversial yet very familiar problem when transporting dangerous cargo, exactly like what this ship is said to have been carrying. And of course, there's always the possibility of something supernatural or even otherworldly causing this incident. However, that's completely impossible to verify. There are many loose ends when it comes to the Orang Medan. So did this ship exist? And does the truth tell us in the death ship of the South Seas? It's okay to stay skeptical. <laughs> We've only just begun. She knew things about witchcraft. Sherilyn and Bobby believed that uh, there were spirits in, in their house, and it frightened them. Okay, maybe ghost ships and urban legends aren't your thing. Well, how about a true mystery? Bobby, Sherry Lynn, and Madison Jameson disappeared October 8, 2009. Now their bodies would be found on November 16, 2013. This case is quite creepy. On October 8, 2009, Bobby Jameson, who was 44, 
his wife, Sherry Lynn, who was 40, and their six-year-old daughter, Madison, along with their dog, Macy, loaded up their pickup truck and headed into a nearby Oklahoma mountain range. However, they were never seen alive again. Four years later, in November of 2013, their bodies were found. Were they murdered? Did they get lost somehow? Could it have been some sort of horrific murder-suicide? The authorities say they aren't able to completely eliminate anything. Now, when you hear the circumstances surrounding this odd case, you may be willing to search anywhere for the answer. The medical examiner ruled their cause of death as inconclusive, and ever since this case made headlines in the media, it has become one of America's most bizarre mysteries. The Jamesons lived in the town of Eufaula, Oklahoma. The family traveled 30 miles to an area in a nearby mountain range. You see, Bobby and Sherry Lynn were thinking of buying a 40-acre plot of land. The plan was to live in a storage shed that they had already owned and put it on that land. Bobby and Sherry Lynn visited an associate of the landowner, and when the meeting was done, the family packed up and went for a walk. They took their GPS unit with them and found a quiet spot on a hillside. After this, the family returned to their vehicle. They then drove a little bit further, parked, got out of the car, and seemingly vanished into thin air, even leaving their truck unlocked and their dog, Macy, inside. The Sandsbaugh Mountains are a small mountain range in southeastern Oklahoma. This mountain range is part of the larger Washita Mountains. Located in Haskell and Latimer counties, Oklahoma, Sandsbaugh is a French term meaning without forest or without wood in English. Sherry Lynn had another child, a son from a previous relationship. His name was Colton. He saw her two weeks prior to the family's disappearance, and he said she made no mention of their plans to move to the Sandbois area. Bobby had a car accident in 2003 that left him suffering with chronic back pain. Sherry Lynn also had bipolar disorder and had been prescribed medication, but since her condition was poorly controlled, she often experienced bouts of severe depression. Before you go thinking that Bobby and Sherry Lynn may have been a happily married couple, it seems as though their marriage was in a bad state, and the family seemed to keep to themselves, for the most part. But when they did speak to people, they made some very disturbing claims. Bobby and Sherry Lynn spoke to a local pastor. They did this because they believed that their house was haunted. In fact, they believed it was being invaded by dark spirits and that it needed an exorcism. This was because Madison had started talking to an imaginary friend. Her imaginary friend's name was Emily. Sherry Lynn believed that Emily was actually a malevolent entity. At one point, Bobby even approached the pastor and asked if he knew of anywhere that he could purchase special bullets, the kind that could shoot spirits, the exact spirits that he claimed were living under the roof of the family's home. Bobby was also planning on trying to exorcise the spirits that resided in his home. He planned on doing this with the help of the Satanic Bible. A friend of Sherry Lynn's came forward and told the police that sometimes her and Sherry Lynn would conduct seances. Although according to her, Sherry Lynn took them much more seriously than she did. Sherry Lynn had also written graffiti on their storage container about her black cats being poisoned and that she believed someone from the neighborhood had killed her cats. Even wrote, 
Witches do not like it when their cats are killed. So far, you may be chalking this up to possibly a disturbed family. However, both their friends and family would agree that the home was in fact haunted. A few have even shared their experiences as well. Nikki, who is Sherry Lynn's best friend, said, in all seriousness, that house was haunted. I don't want to sound crazy, but whenever I went there, I felt a horrible presence. I would leave feeling so down and depressed. In July of 2009, Sherry Lynn's ex-husband from her first marriage took custody of their son, Colton. In September of that same year, Sherry Lynn was hospitalized after she tried to take her own life. At the time, during the custody hearing, 12-year-old Colton said that he preferred to live with his dad. He gave a statement about his mother, claiming that she had seemed very depressed and that she often acted strangely. Now, during the initial absence of the family, none of their friends and family felt any real concern. Bobby and Sherry Lynn were known to fall off the radar from time to time, you know, just go off the grid. At this time as well, Madison had been pulled out of school, so this may have just been some sort of planned vacation or trip that they were going on. On Saturday, October 17, 2009, hunters on dirt bikes ran across the Jamesons' abandoned truck. It was located in Latimer County, just northwest of Red Oak. Initially, the police assumed the vehicle to have been stolen as the report suggested the truck may have been only on the roadside for about a few hours. Though, later that day, the same hunter called back to confirm to police that he had seen it there, and it had been there for several days. The truck was about an hour's drive from the Jamesons home in Eufaula. The Jamison family was nowhere to be seen despite a large search of the area around their abandoned truck. Latimer County Sheriff Israel Beauchamp at first thought the truck had been stolen. However, he soon realized that something far more serious may have taken place. A huge search operation was launched. They combed the area with over 400 volunteers, horses, mules, ATVs, 16 teams of cadaver dogs, and an unmanned drone. They found nothing. During the searches, the cadaver dogs teams reportedly found scent near a nearby water tower, which was promptly drained. Though, this led to no evidence concerning the missing family. Police began searching the truck and found Bobby and Sherry Lynn's cell phones. They also found $32,000 in cash, some maps, a GPS, and Sherry Lynn's purse, along with Bobby and Sherry Lynn's wallets. In addition, they found the family's thirsty and malnourished dog. Thankfully, he was still alive. The vehicle was in working order, had fuel, and hadn't been in any accidents. It was even left completely unlocked. The $32,000 in cash was stuffed under the driver's seat. This cash was very puzzling because the family was on disability at the time. Was this cash with them in order to buy the land? or? Were the Jamesons possibly into drugs? Now there's more. In the truck, investigators found an 11-page hate letter from Sherry Lynn to Bobby. She said he didn't care about his daughter. She listed all the things she hated about her husband, including that he was a loner and a hermit, and she wrote that she wanted a divorce. During the initial investigations, the police found no signs of a struggle 
not in the vehicle or on the soft ground that surrounded the truck. There was no blood, no broken glass, although a little bit of trash was strewn around the truck. And that's about where it sat for several years. On November 16, 2013, just two and a half miles from where the truck was located, deer hunters discovered the skeletal remains of two adults and one child. They were in the Smokestack Hollow area of Panola Mountain. The area was extremely remote and the three bodies were severely decomposed. The remains consisted of three skulls, a number of bones, and bone fragments. The victim's shoes and some scraps of clothing remained. Eight months after the remains were discovered, forensic testing would confirm that the remains were in fact Bobby, Sherry Lynn, and Madison Jameson. It had been four years since the Jamesons had vanished from the truck. When authorities were asked how their bodies could be missed due to the large search operation, they claimed that falling leaves could have potentially obscured the bodies. Due to the extensive decomposition that had occurred in those four years, it was deemed impossible to determine the cause of death for the family. Although one of the skulls, which was Bobby's, had a small hole that was initially suspected to be a bullet wound. Later, the police would start to doubt this, but the hunters who found the bodies believe it was. Local authorities and FBI agents spent months chasing down leads and questioning possible suspects, but all of it led to dead ends. The police also found some interesting surveillance video footage from just outside the Jameson family home. The video shows Bobby and Sherry Lynn walking back and forth around 20 times from inside their home to their truck. It seems as though they're loading items into their truck, but in this zombie-like trance. You can actually check out the footage for yourself online. Now, despite the fact that they were loading their truck, it seems as though from time to time, they were walking back and forth without anything in their hands. At times, you can even see them stop and stand with a vacant look on their face. Now this footage could absolutely suggest that maybe the family was on drugs. Maybe severe depression had something to do with it. Both depression and drugs could lead to paranoia. This wouldn't be hard to imagine causing this house to have a heavy feel to it. After all, energy is very real and we all give off our very own. When police checked the phone records of the mobile phone found in the truck, they found it had made an outgoing call to voicemail. This was done on November 12th. Now this was odd, as it should have been inside the abandoned truck at that time. So what happened to the Jameson family? Did they get lost in the woods? Perhaps the Jameson family decided to go for a short hike in the woods and lost their way and simply died of hypothermia. However, there's an issue with this theory. The bodies were found lined up side by side with their faces facing down, looking as though they were killed execution style. They were also found just three miles from their truck. And given Bobby's back problems, it was highly unlikely that he would have wanted to go walking in the hills. It also appears that the Jameson's truck was parked in such a way that as though they were stopped by somebody. It seems this was done as they were getting ready to leave and somebody surprised them. Like many cases, we have to think about the fact that this could be a murder-suicide. Sherry Lynn did have a 22 caliber pistol, 
She even carried it with her in the truck. And remember, the coroner did find a small hole in Bobby's skull that might have been from a bullet. However, neither Sherry Lynn nor Madison had any gunshot evidence on their bodies. And this gun has never been found. If Sherry Lynn had used it to kill her family and then shot herself, shouldn't the weapon be there? If not, where would it be located? Now, some people believe that this was a drug deal that went wrong. This area of Oklahoma where the Jameson family lived, as well as the area that they were hoping to move to in the Sandboy Mountains, is well known for heavy drug activity, mainly meth labs. That's right, methamphetamine. Bobby had recently reported someone in the local area for running one. In the surveillance video where Bobby and Sherry Lynn are packing their truck and walking in this trans-like state, the two also don't look very well. They look thin, a bit gaunt, and just sick. Drugs could easily explain the way they look on the footage, along with the large sum of money found in their truck. Drugs could also explain the couple's erratic behavior. There is a theory that the Jamesons came upon some illegal drug activity, saw more than they should have, and were killed to keep them quiet. But why didn't the drug dealers search the truck? Why would they leave $32,000 behind, especially when it's in cold, hard cash? After authorities searched the Jameson home, they found no evidence that the family was using any form of illegal substances. There was no drug-related paraphernalia anywhere in their home. Another theory claims that Bobby's father killed the family. The family had filed a protective order against Bobby's dad, Bob Dean Jameson claiming that he had threatened to kill them over some business dealings. In this protective order that was filed in April of 2009, Bobby alleged that his father had intentionally hit him with his car on November 1st, 2008, and that he was a, quote, very dangerous man who thinks he is above the law. Bob Dean and Bobby were in a heated disagreement. It seems that Bob Dean fell back on an agreement they had about his gas station that he owned. Bob used to get Bobby to work at the gas station. It was agreed upon that Bob would give Bobby proceeds from half the sales at the station. Bobby claims that Bob fell back on his word, even stated that Bob threatened the family and that he had connections with the Mexican mafia. Bobby's father died two months after the family went missing in December of 2009. He died at the age of 64. Bobby's uncle, Jack Jameson, said Bobby's dad was either in a hospital or a rest home. He even went on to say that he may have been a disturbed individual, but he was not capable of murder. Now here's our final theory. The Jamesons were members of a satanic cult. Sherry Lynn's mother, Connie Cocotan, claims her daughter, son-in-law, and granddaughter was on an Oklahoma cult hit list. That part of Oklahoma is known for that. Cults and all that stuff, from what I've been told, from what I've read, I was told, around the time of Sherry Lynn's disappearance, that she was on a cult's hit list. That was a direct quote from Connie. Now, Connie didn't provide the name of the alleged cult, nor have police found any links to any. So what do you think happened to the Jameson family? Why were they acting so strange on that video footage? Was their house really haunted? Were they secretly involved with drugs and ended up being murdered over it? Did Bobby's father murder the family? Unfortunately, 
this mystery is still unsolved. A mysterious disappearance, a body with strange burns, and an inexplicable substance that baffles scientists. Is there paranormal activity in the death of a Yorkshire miner? This is the disturbing case of Zygmunt Ademski. Zygmunt was a 56-year-old miner. He went missing from his home in Tingley near Wakefield in June of 1980. He had only stepped out to do some shopping, yet he never returned. To Zygmunt's colleagues at Lofthouse Colliery, it was a complete mystery. What happened to Zygmunt? Just five days after he disappeared, Zygmunt's body was discovered 20 miles from his home at a coal yard in Todmorden. Zygmunt's body was discovered lying on top of a pile of coal. He was wearing a suit, but had no shirt on. His watch and his wallet were also missing. Another very interesting detail of his body is the fact that on the back of his head, neck, and shoulders were very mysterious burn marks, ones that to this day have attracted a lot of attention. James Turnbull, the coroner who dealt with Zygmunt's death, says it's the biggest mystery in his career. The coroner was baffled because although Zygmunt had been missing for five days, he somehow only had one day's growth of facial hair. James says the question of where he was before he died and what led to his death just cannot be answered. He also states that there was a strange ointment that appeared to have been used on Zygmunt's burns, and this ointment could not be identified by forensic scientists. Authorities even completed exhausting searches into hospital records in hopes that they could see if Zygmunt had been treated at a hospital in his missing days. Their search led them to nothing. It was at this point that questions began to arise. Where was the origin of this ointment? Who applied it to Zygmunt? What happened to Zygmunt? What if I told you it was alien abduction? It was not just the usual investigators, the police, and the coroners who were attracted to Zygmunt's case. One of the most famous ufologists of all time, also by the name of Ademski, offered his own theories on the tragedy of Zygmunt. He believes that aliens abducted the Yorkshire miner. However, they did this by mistake. The speculation of an extraterrestrial encounter was fueled by authorities themselves. The policeman who originally found Zygmunt's body, Alan Godfrey, fueled most of this himself. Just six months after finding Zygmunt's body, Allen was again on duty in Todd Morden around 5 a.m. He claims he had an encounter with a UFO at this time. This made headlines all over the world. Allen states, I wish I'd never seen the UFO, particularly because of the effects on my children. He went on to say, It's not easy having a policeman as a father, but when he's a policeman who saw a UFO, it's even worse. This would apparently be a huge turning point in Alan Godfrey's life. He then left the police force and has a new role as a speaker at charity fundraising events. In the past 20 years, there have been many sightings in the Penine Hills around Todmorden. It is known as Britain's UFO hotspot. But serious UFO watchers dismiss most of these Penine sightings as just lights in the sky. 
The coroner is also unconvinced about any presence of paranormal activity in Zygmunt's death, although he still has a lot of unanswered questions regarding his passing. James, however, is going with a earthly reason rather than alien explanation that others have offered. He does say though, in 50 years time, if we discover aliens have been visiting us and we don't know about it, then that may give the answer. In case you're wondering as well, after all these years, Alan Godfrey still has no doubts. He believes 100% that he had an encounter with a UFO. So what happened to Zygmunt Ademski? Where was he while he was missing? How did he end up in the coal yard? How did he get burned? But most puzzling, where did the ointment come from? Alright guys, I hope you enjoyed those three stories that are surrounded in mysterious circumstances. Don't forget guys, every week during this spooky season, I will be releasing two episodes, all the way up until Halloween night, when I will have a very special episode. Thank you guys for coming here every week and showing your support by listening to the content that I create. It's nice to know that I'm not the only weird one out in the world. I look forward to talking to you guys on the next episode of What the Actual Left. Till then, stay safe guys. Love you later, bye.